venti vanilla cream cold brew with extra sweet cream vanilla super cold f- foam funnel cake funnel what i don't know it just funnel says topping, funnel. yeah four pumps of added funnel syrup one pump of white mocha i think you're all hopped up on goofballs <laughs> i'll never sleep again Hello, welcome to Guides to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we are talking about psychic phonies, flim-flam artists, people you can't trust. Yeah, people that maybe have bilked you out of your zillions. Mm-hmm, your uh, precious coins and doubloons. <laughs> my money! <laughs> we last week talked about mediums, trans mediums, and physical mediums, but we've been planning to cover like people that have defrauded people. Yeah fake psychics forever which is funny because i depending on the day i think psychics are fake right <laughs> all the time but so i i've been so eagerly looking forward to this episode and i for the first time ever i think on this show gave a bit of a cliffhanger last week you definitely have before have i yes uh, well not that i remember yeah <laughs> then again i don't remember very much so <laughs> who knows i feel like i've definitely done the thing i did last week where you're like uh a little tease is that we'll be doing bloobity blah uh, blah yeah, and i'm like so. you should just say the thing because you basically just did i guess that's true yeah. but last week i gave a little bit more mm-hmm. i gave a, a sort of a scandalous peek at what i'm going to be talking about a little bit if you don't mind me launching and just to pay I don't off remember the... go ahead oh great okay then this is even more fun. oh now i do now i do okay go last week in like the last couple seconds of the show i was like next week i'm going to talk about the time a guy brought his dead daughter into the howard stern show yes and uh i so i assume you forgot about it right after we we forget everything we said two seconds after we're done recording absolutely but uh so i've been looking forward to getting to tell you this story all week and i've been hoping that you wouldn't have looked it up on your own so i'm very thrilled so i'm gonna tell you about very quickly or it might take Take your time it might might take a little bit (laughs) i'm gonna tell you about anthony zipper Okay. And his daughter, Callistra. Okay. All right. So, in August, August 15th it was, of 2000, the Howard Stern Show, where Anthony Zipper called in, and he was trying to promote the idea that, quote, all Americans must enjoy their inalienable right to preserve their beloved departed loved ones for all time. Okay. Literally, he was promoting the idea of taxidermying the dead. Um, spoiler alert, this guy's not a psychic, mm-hmm. but I think he, he counts well, as a, a, a scammed, phony. it exactly. sounds like. So yeah. it's, it's a stretch, but it's fine. there's no other place to talk about this guy. <laughs> All right. I saw this a few years back and it blew my mind. So Howard Stern talking to this guy on the phone is like, what? What are, what are you talking about? And he says that he had his daughter, Callistra, um, taxidermied. And so Howard Stern and the the team arrange for him to come in. They do a show October 31st, 2000, very appropriately Halloween, where Anthony Zipper brings in his daughter, Callistra, and he traveled with her from L.A. in a suitcase. Okay. So in the studio, and this is filmed because they used to film the Howard Stern show and play it on, you know, E or whatever. So Anthony Zipper, looking very much like a mortician. Mm -hmm. He's he's, uh, sort of like a thin tall guy very buttoned up and together doing that sort of like posh american He's talking like magister blackwell <laughs> mm, good to meet you character williams Stern. Yeah. no he talks a little bit honestly kind of like a fraser okay like that sort of like put together like well i don't know if i should be telling you this but um yes it was her wish to um, not be put in the in the ground 
you know, like sort of yeah. composed, but coming off with this real um, gross vibe. Uh-huh. Really a real, um, yeah, who's that guy? Who? I don't think I should say his name on here. The mortician in, in the Berkshires. Yes. <laughs> I shouldn't say his name. Yes. What is that the job mortician? Undertaker? Yes. Undertaker? I think they call them mortician. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he's coming off or like, like a somebody... funeral home director. Funeral home director. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, he's coming across like very presentable, but um it, it's 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 feeling like somebody who spends all his time around dead bodies. Yeah. All right. So he uh comes into the studio and he's got Callistra in a wheelchair because she's dead mm-hmm. and uh there's a sheet over her um somebody i think fred the, the sound guy on the howard stern show i think fred norris goes oh, she's covered in cheesecloth <laughs> to me it looked like a muslin sheet okay cheesecloth is often muslin is that what it is yeah okay so muslin very interestingly is what <laughs> no one's ever said that before <laughs> let me tell you everybody get real close your speakers. I'm going to tell you something Muslin, really... interestingly. It's a fascinating thing about the uh, <laughs> the chemical composition of muslin, if I can take some time. No, muslin is what they used in those like spirit photography yep. things. The fraudsters that we talked about, well, the mediums we talked mm-hmm. about last week, they would use muslin to look like ectoplasm in photos. Right. I use it to swaddle my baby. Right. I have muslin blankets all up in this place. Yes, muslin is a very popular fabric. Yes, it's it got... It breathes well. My muslin has hearts on it and stuff, mm-hmm. but they use just like white yeah. muslin to, as ectoplasm, and Anthony Zipper's got it covering his dead daughter. Right. Which to me is almost weirdly like in the legacy of mediumship... <laughs> muslin. I, well, I can't, I can't imagine that this was intentional, but to use partic- particularly like muslin to cover yeah. a dead body and be doing a sort of um, morbid fraud mm-hmm. showmanship thing uh, it just it, it sort of all tied it together to me a little it bit. does it's also surprising to me though that he had her covered up with the sheet anyway because if his whole thing was that he had her taxidermied that's supposed to suggest like an ongoing life sort of thing right so to cover that with a sheet which is what you do with dead bodies in the morgue seems to go against that i yeah i agree i think that some of this is also Obviously, he knew it was being filmed mm-hmm. on camera. A lot of this is showmanship. Razzle-dazzle. Right? So you've got her. And honestly, when I first watched this video, and I looked this up, because I was getting into the Howard Stern show, so I just, you know, I like spooky stuff. So I started yeah. trying to see if Howard Stern ever covered horror movies or something. And I found this mm-hmm. video, which I'll have links in the, the show notes if you want to watch it. When you watch it with what I'm telling you about how it's fake, you're not going to enjoy it the way that I did when I was like wanting it to be real on yeah. some level. Because spoiler alert, this is all garbage. Um, but you'll see how much garbage it is. But um, I think it's going to be so obvious when you watch it with the mindset of like... I know this is fake. Yeah, yeah it's going to be outrageous that I ever thought it could be anything but uh, yeah. uh, phony. So um, he... <laughs> He starts to tell Howard about his daughter, Callistra, and how she was in life, and how she was a huge fan of Howard Stern Mm -hmm. and Madonna. Okay. She was born on Madonna's birthday, and Howard, on his own, produces a letter, a letter which Anthony Zipper wrote on his daughter, Callistra's behalf, to Madonna. And Anthony Zipper goes, pardon me, how did you get that? And Howard goes, well, I could tell you how I got it. Uh, uh, can I say how, she, how we got it, Gary? And Gary Delabate goes, yeah, Madonna's people gave it to us. So 
it really implies that outside of Anthony's zipper, this guy with his contrived my daughter is uh, taxidermied scenario, this implies now that Gary Delabate, Baba Booey, mm. and Howard Stern have spoken to Madonna's reps on the side about this guy and gotten a letter from them. How do they even know to? I don't I don't understand. But so Howard starts to to read some of the letter. Dear Madonna, my beloved daughter Callistra was born on your birthday in 1984. Perhaps that's the reason she loved you. But of course, there was so much more. Throughout her life, and then Robin interrupts and goes, So this is before she died, she got into Madonna. Oh. <laughs> and he goes, Yes, yes, of course. Um and in the letter, he, he continues to explain, I found after she died a hidden notebook of hers. She apparently loved you. She loved Howard Stern. And then they all get interrupted and they stop reading that letter. But so the, the setup is he's been writing to people that his daughter liked. Uh-huh. And Howard has done the research to get in touch with those other people, presumably, or something. So what? is this real, right? Robin asks, what killed Calistra? How did she die? Um, it's the Howard Stern show. Not only that, this is the Howard Stern show in the I would say in a, the early 2000s. A while ago. The language is not appropriate <laughs> for today. Um, there are very like there are a lot of things that are like uh, uh, terms that I don't stand by and that I'm not going to use here. But uh, Anthony Zipper says that his daughter had Tourette's, cystic fibrosis, and then in one of the first giveaways he goes and um, what was it? What was it? He doesn't know. The other condition that his daughter had? What was it? Oh, 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 Turner syndrome, I think it was. You think it was? That's Come on. odd. That's odd. So it starts to fall apart already. And Robin asks, how did she die? And he goes, oh, well, the, the over... There's a quote. I wrote this down from the video. Oh, well, the, the, the overwhelming system was... And Howard helps him finish the sentence. He goes, the, what, the, it, it overwhelmed her system? And he goes, exactly. And Robin goes, huh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> So she's not having it. Robin's not having this at all. Yeah. Howard's clearly trying to keep this thing in motion. Uh-huh. Right? So what are they not having? Like, do you think – is it that they know that this is not really a dead person here? I or, I, I have reason – when you watch the video, yeah. particularly with everything I'm telling you about it, you're going to absolutely think this whole thing is staged and this is entertainment for the radio. They probably brought this guy in to play a part mm -hmm. just to make a cool, spooky show. Oh, okay. I have reason to think that they booked a guy, didn't care what was real or not, yeah, and right. just let it play out. Yeah. But I do think that Robin's like, I don't believe a single ounce of this. Yeah. And Howard isn't interested in cutting through to the reality. He wants to play out the bit. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yes, I don't does. know if he believes it or not. Mm -hmm. I have reason to think that he doesn't believe it himself either but yeah. we'll we'll see so uh anthony zipper explains that his daughter calistra left a tape behind mm -hmm. that his act of having her taxidermied is not some perversion of her life it's what his daughter actually wanted mm -hmm. so oddly anthony zipper is really just carrying out what calistra had asked final for wishes. exactly so he plays a tape of her voice on the show here's what the tape says hello this is calistra i don't know where you went you were here before, but now you're gone. Which to me sounds like bad writing about like trying to seem like she was she was in between life yeah, right, and death. Right. You were here, but now but now you're gone. Uh huh. I feel my time is coming soon. I just wanted to let you know a few things. I want you to make sure you remember to always keep me with you. Please don't don't put me into the ground. 
I'm so scared of dark places. I don't want to be in the ground. And then they're talking over it a little bit, but the final thing you get from the tape is, I also want to make sure that you take good care of my turtle Howard and my kitty Robin. And and, and Robin immediately starts going, my turtle Howard? <laughs> my kitty Robin? She's not having it. This guy's overselling she's, it. She's totally over it. Not only did this guy have his daughter taxidermied and he called into the Howard Stern show in August, his daughter was all about Howard Stern. Uh-huh. I don't think so, right? So- it's all starting to fall apart. Howard's now even making fun of him a little bit. Uh-huh. Gary's just laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Robin's <laughs> Robin is just not connecting with this at all. They use a ton of Howard Stern words and yeah. Howard Stern claims. They make they accuse this guy of doing very Howard Stern kinds of accusations. Supposedly he did get her implants. And the the yeah. The, the after daughter, after. And uh he says that uh he wanted to help her physically be able to like mature. Boy, it's it's gross. Yeah. It's I'm not telling you this is some I know chill I know s- badass <laughs> visit. God, so all right. Really, our years are hard to listen to. Sometimes, yes. His wife is on the phone now. Uh-huh. All right, Helen, uh, and uh, she's like, "My God, Anthony, what have you done to her?" And he goes, "Helen, what are you doing? What are you doing on the phone?" Here's another break. Howard goes, "What are you talking about? You gave us her number." So this guy's whole thing is falling apart. Their improv is terrible. Uh-huh. The way that he responds to her going like, what do you mean? How was your wife on the phone? You gave us her phone number. He goes, well, I thought I thought she might refuse as if, I don't know, a good save. My good God. Save, dude. And then she's not offering much on the phone. He keeps going, Helen, Helen, go back to sleep. Go back to sleep, Helen. What's the point of this phone Like, she's not contributing very much. At one point, she goes, my God, Anthony, what have you done? (laughs) Which is so crazy. They finally uncover the body. This is where it becomes so apparent that it's fake, but I do have one thing that pulls it back. So, they uncover the body. They They take the muslin sheet off of it, finally, to unveil Calistra. And she looks so odd. Mm hmm her skin is waxy on her face. There's a wig because she died and her hair fell out. Mm-hmm. She's wearing sun giant sunglasses. She's got a bunch of necklaces on. She's got a leather jacket and a dress, almost like very like material girl, very uh-huh. very like Madonna. And high tops. She's uh-huh. got cons. And Robin's like those shoes are a little big. This is weird. <laughs> like <laughs> the arms in the jacket are all puffed up. Like they shoved like strange, like they shoved like padding newspapers. In there. Like yeah, it just looks crazy. Yeah, Her proportions are insane. But Howard starts going, "What am I looking at?" Everyone's laughing, but he's going like, "What is Robin? What is that?" And she goes, "I don't know." And Howard's like, "I've never seen anything like this before." <laughs> and they're close-ups of Callista's face, and she there are like little like divots and scars in her. Here's all right. Here's something crazy. One of the first times I ever did a show about morbid material was way back on a show I used to do called Will and Bobby Know Everything. Uh, my old writing partner, Bobby, and I, little brother, uh, we uh, would just like talk about whatever we wanted to talk about. And I had found out about a guy named Dr. Carl Tanzler. Yeah. Dr. Carl Tanzler, and this is a true story, was a doctor who fell in love with one of his patients who died of tuberculosis. He dug up her body. And he repaired her with paper mache and he kept her. He maintained her body. I was looking at Callistra and thinking. Yeah, I've been thinking about that this whole time. 
Really? Okay. Yeah, of course. I was course. thinking all about Dr. Carl Tanzler yeah. and thinking about paper mache. And then at one point in the video, they're like, "What? What's up with her face?" He goes, "Well, I had to, you know, I had to restore her. You know, I wasn't able to taxidermy taxidermy her right away." Um, so you're looking at, you know, paper mache and all these, and it was paper mache. Mm-hmm. It's very specific. Did he do his research or what? And then Robin goes, you know what that is? And then several people fill in the answer at once. Styrofoam. It looks like painted styrofoam. Uh-huh. So is it just a styrofoam head? So they go, take the, take the sunglasses off of that thing. And so you're expecting to see, you know, like how styrofoam mannequins just have like their eyes yeah. out. They take the glasses off. And she has eyelids and eyelashes that are like puffy and pulled closed. And once the glasses came off, I started not being sure what I was looking at. Me will. I still know it's fake, but it started to look very much like, you know how like David Lynch does like sculptures? Uh Uh-huh. That yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't really figure out what he made them out <laughs> yeah. of, but they look organic, mm-hmm. fleshy, and gross. Mm-hmm. That is what Callistra looks like with her glass, with her yeah, sunglasses hell? off. It's very scary looking. To yeah. Me. Um, and uh, honestly, everybody, it, the whole thing starts to fall apart. But Howard still keeps going like, um, like what, what is that? And and even Robin at a certain point is like, I don't, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know, but she still is not buying it. Right. Um, I'm trying to pull up a photo to show you. It's, I'm not going to be able to get a good one in time, right. but I'll, I'll show you after. Everybody can look this up. Again, I'm right. going to have links in the show notes. But um, it's it's very creepy, and then it all just starts to really, truly, definitively devolve, uh-huh. where even at a certain point, Fred is – like, they're laughing at the guy, and uh, I think Jackie on the show starts going, hey, uh, can we push that thing down the stairs? <laughs> Like Casey, who like I guess was one of the like producers. I forgot about Casey. Yeah, he starts going like, "Hey Howard, can I rip the head off this thing?" <laughs> you know? Oh my god! All right, so Will is showing this to me. Um, ugh, I, it still looks like styrofoam to me. It looks like styrofoam that they just. Att- I, I found it. I thought it was gonna be weirder looking. Really? But don't the eyes look strange to you? They definitely do look strange, but it almost it I feel like he glued something onto the bumps of the eyes on a styrofoam mannequin to create eyelids. And then the eyelashes are like super thick and just hanging straight down. So it actually looks like he applied a strip of f- false lashes. Um, you would know, and more they're about- going straight down instead of like out the way that they're supposed to. Yes, you would certainly know more about false lashes than I would. I mean, but marginally, for, but, but for sure, like it's it's crazy to me that her eyelids look to be three dimensional. Yeah, I mean, and I like th- the top eyelid has a a depth to it. I think that he probably just like applied something on there in an eyelid shape. To be clear, I don't think I'm looking at a no. I know. Face I know. Of a I know. Corpse, but it definitely it still looks like a mannequin thing. It, it looks crazy. Yeah, it looks crazy. Yeah, but like the if the claim the claim isn't that you're looking at her skin anyway. The claim is right. that you're looking at paper mache that's covering the body, which is still very frightening in concept yeah. and something that people have actually done before. So right. who's to say? Uh, I can say. So I, <laughs> I've done some. Uh, I've done some uh, research on this. Anthony Zipper, the dad, he's laughed out of the studio. By the way, of course. And, and, and Robin even says like, uh, um, "Oh, Howard starts trying to salvage it and going like, 
I believe that you believe that's your daughter, but uh-huh. I don't know. And I'm like, that's no, no, you, don't. no you don't. Yeah. And Robin goes, listen, if anybody out there listens to you and has their loved ones taxidermied, they'll be the first. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning you haven't done this. Right. And then Howard goes, Fred, what, what do you make of this? And Fred goes, I think he's got to go back to Stella Adler. Oh. Stella Adler is <laughs> like an acting, acting school. Exactly. Yeah. So I looked into it. I've got a website. There was a whole movie that this guy made about Calistra. Oh my God. His real name is Craig Kalman. He is an actor from LA. Why did you Anthony Zipper? I don't know. It is a memorable name. It's I'll a give memorable him that. name. Um, and uh, he's got this extensive old website mm-hmm. where he tells the whole story of Calistra and a documentary that he made and other family members that he started to invent that uh, that had their own connections to Calistra and stories. And, and I've looked into the movie that he made about Calistra and it looks to be very complicated and not about Calistra. Uh-huh. It's like kind of about him. Because he's an actor. I mean, that sounds right. Right. But so <laughs> sounds at- like this guy likes making things about him. Yes. He keeps referring at the beginning of the website because it's almost like one long blog post that he keeps adding new stuff to. Like, it'll be like, update, 2001, update, 2008. Yeah. Like, he keeps adding to the website. At the start, he talks about how this is the story of his associate, Anthony Zipper. So mm-hmm. Anthony Zipper is real. He's not Craig Kalman. He's Anthony. He's Craig Kalman's associate. Yeah. But by the end of the website, while it's where it's been like eight years since he started this, it all of a sudden changes tone entirely and becomes about how Craig Kalman, the actor, went to a book signing that Gary Delabate did. Okay. And he brought a copy For Call of, Me Baba Booey? Maybe. I guess so. <laughs> and he brought his DVD, The Story of Calistra, and wrote like, let's see if uh, Mr. Delabate remembers me. And he took stories. What around does that prove or not? I know. You know what I mean? Like he took he took photos around the bookstore with like his his DVD next to one of Howard Stern's books. Yeah. And then he gets up to the front. And he's like, he remembered me. Like here's Gary Delabate smiling. He's got a selfie with Gary Delabate. And so I'm like, so was he a plant? Or I guess not. He really did just get on the no, show. No, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. And then here's the way that his website. I mean, they could have known that he was full of it, and they put him on the show. But it True. doesn't sound like they like created this farce themselves. Right. They might have heard about this dude who has this doll that he says is his taxidermy daughter. They almost let this guy try out his character yeah. and tried not to burst his bubble. Yeah. Uh-huh. But here's what he says on his own website. Of course, I never heard from those stern people again. I guess because they're still incredibly pissed that I punked them so royally. Oh, my God. Once again. I don't know about this, Craig. Is that what his name is? Craig Kalman. Yeah. Once again, nobody believed him. Right. Did <laughs> And they wanted to throw that thing down the stairs. <laughs> it doesn't sound like he really punched them to me. He is still a working performer. He was a background office guy on Mad Men. Okay. So like he's in like a million episodes blurry and in the background. Uh-huh. And he's got like screenshots of every time he was like, that's me going down the staircase in the background. Yeah. Which admittedly, I would probably do. That's yeah. awesome. Um, but yeah, it's like a whole thing. And I guess he tried to spin it off into its own little cottage industry for himself. Right. Which power to him. But he certainly didn't punk them. To me, no. they really didn't believe it. Does he have a social media presence today? Yes, and I have looked into it, and he writes... He's the kind of person that writes his opinions uh-huh. on controversial topics in such a way where you don't really know what he's saying, Okay, but you kind of get the drift, and mm-hmm. you don't like it. Mm, okay. So I'm not going to make any claims or anything, but I did just try to see, like, does he have, like, a really good sense of humor about this or whatever? Yeah. And uh, it seems to be tricky to me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All Not right. so cut and dry. He yeah. seems like a perfectly nice man. What is? You know? Yeah. But uh, I, I do not think that he fooled 
I do not think that he fooled. Doesn't sound Howard like Howard Stern, Robin Quivers, Fred Norris, and Gally, Gary Delabate. It doesn't sound like especially it. That Robin sounds Quivers, bizarre. who's like a genius. Yeah, she, like Fred. literally, she's like yes. Mensa or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And Fred, who I think is also supposed to be. I didn't know that. Incredibly intelligent, I think, right? Didn't he do like... Um, I don't know. She was on um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and mm-hmm. he was her... Like, oh, Lifeline? Backer in the audience. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And did very well. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, Love that's Robin. the story of Callistra, the supposed dead daughter that was brought onto the Stern show because she was such a big fan. That's So much so, so that she named weird. her Turtle Howard and her kitty Robin. I still don't totally understand what this guy was going for. Like, what's going on here? Well, okay, I'll tell you. Can I? I'll tell you another thing that I really, really dislike. Yeah. That this guy did. Uh huh. He tried to keep calling in, right? He tried to. Okay. Keep the, he came, the bit he going. tried to be kind of like a recurring character on the yeah, show. Yeah. On the Stern show, sometimes the callers themselves are recurring mm-hmm. guests in a in a way. They, yeah. They call in almost every week, um, and so he kept trying to do that. I guess. They used to have a character, character, there was a guy that was featured on the show all the time, Hank the Angry Drunken Dwarf. Mm-hmm. When he died, Craig Kalman called in as Anthony Zipper offering to taxidermy Hank the Angry Dwarf. And even posts on his website, he's like, and that was on the morning of September 11th, 2001, just before. And I'm like, I, I don't like this co-opting of genuine real world misery into your character. I really it's don't like, like it not- when people do that. That's not like an appealing thing to have be your thing. No. Offering to taxidermy people who've just died. Like a real guy yeah. who like was like a troubled individual. Like, right. It's it's gross. Yeah, it's, it's gross. not that's not like a zany, like fun thing. No. Will the farter he is not. <laughs> it's another Howard Stern recurring character. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> well that, that's the kind of thing we like around is here. It? Well, do you like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. my first uh, quote unquote fraudster. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah. more of a character, but where else would we ever Still talk about fraud. this guy? Still a fraudster. True. He punked them royally. Yeah, my God. So he said himself, so he was trying right. to pull a fast one. Right. I'm not accusing him of anything. No, of course not. Good job, Craig. Did a great job. Cra- Craig? I- I've already Craig? finished the story and it's already out of my yeah. head. Yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> just in case he hears this. Of course. I like what you did. Just in case he's one of those people that like anytime you talk about him, if it gets like I know, I know, I know. Like way that, to go. Like that guy from um, the Demon of Brownsville Road. Yeah, the dude from the Demon of Brownsville Road got into a real angry tete-a-tete with me. Yeah, on YouTube. Yeah. He was keeping an eye on content him about himself out there, and I spoke about him in an unflattering way, mm-hmm. but Will was manning the YouTube, so he took the brunt of it. I offered to read the book to give him his fair share. I, know, when you saw, I was like, Will. Oh, I, hey, listen, I believe in, I don't want to to just like crap on people. So I, I said I would read From his book. From what I to, remember about this guy. Yeah. So but, I did buy his book, and I did read some of it until I couldn't anymore. Yeah. No, this guy... <laughs> Look, I don't really remember. I this just remember guy. I that's what I was about to do. It's not my kind of guy. It's not my kind of guy from what I remember. I don't remember enough though. There there just aren't that many people who I have like a real bad taste in my mouth about who I don't know, uh. who I would say on the show I think this guy's a liar. And so if I did it then, I believe myself. Yeah. And so there must be something not good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, just to be careful. Way to go. Yeah, right. You really punked Howard. Mm-hmm. Punked. I know. Still using the word punked. It's a little late, but 
<laughs> anyway. What are you going to do? Anyway, I do have other stuff that I can tell you, but my yeah. my other things are micro, so uh-huh. I think we should do yours. And if we have time, I can share some of the other stuff that I've looked up. Okay, perfect. All right. So I also have a single person topic. Yes. We are going to talk about Sylvia Brown, psychic medium. Yeah. But first, we are going to talk about ourselves. Oh, yeah. We just want to make sure that you know that you can find everything related to Guides to the Unknown at GTTU Pod. You can also support the show if you would like to thank us for doing this every week by going to patreon.com slash GTTU Pod. And if you donate $4 or more per month over there, then you get access to a monthly bonus episode that's released on the 13th of every month. At this point, um, if you're listening in real time, we have 21 over there. We also do a monthly live stream with all of our patrons where we plan the next month of shows. We talk live to everybody in the chat to get their input and they get to get a jump on seeing what's going to be coming. And it's a really fun, nice time. And we have extras like commentaries for all the screen movies, video game playthroughs. I post my notes for the show every week so you can kind of see what's coming. And we have an awesome discord where people are all talking about spooky stuff and otherwise every single day. It's super fun. Recently, after we do a show and we put it out, I've been posting like pictures and context into the discord group Mm -hmm. stuff that can't make it into like the audio only show i'll just give to the to the discord over there which is super fun yeah um yeah check out the the gttu uh, patreon it's super fun and we keep getting people that are signing up and having a good time in there i know it's really awesome which honestly like we we're trying to keep this show uh uh going but we also like we try to create like a little party for people to Mm -hmm. engage in so really if you're enjoying this show there's a whole bunch more gttu pod that you could be having fun with yeah um i also want to put this out there um i've recently been working on my uh my social media Mm -hmm. i almost said supernatural ah just a i don't know my neurons are all that's (laughs) right misaligned uh follow me at the myth traveler i've been posting little pieces of my horror collection yeah it's really awesome it's it's fun and just telling like little stories where i got stuff what it means to me um it's a good time and i usually am terrible at social media and i'm trying so follow at the myth traveler aka craig kalman if you need to attack me that's where you can find me (laughs) Uh, once again, I love what you did. You just gave him a roadmap. I did. You're I just, a madman. It, it does feel like the kind of story where the person I know be- comes to us or something. It's happened before. I'm afraid you're manifesting this. So am While I. I agree with you, stop saying it out loud. It's like Bloody Mary. You're going to draw know. him to us. Well, hopefully uh, Sylvia Brown can't come get us. I don't well. believe death would stop her. Do you? I think it did. I don't, I don't think. <laughs> oh, she's she's stopped I think she's had a hard stop. I don't think she was plowing forward all that well in life anyway with, with stuff that she was doing. So, that's actually, that's not true. She was extremely successful. That's a wrap, but, wrap, um, wrap. but not, I wouldn't say accurate. So I don't think her aim is going to be true enough to come after us. Okay. So Sylvia Brown, I bet if you were to Google her, if you don't already know what she looks like, I bet you'd be like, oh, yeah, this lady. I've I've vaguely seen her before. I know that this is a famous psychic. So she mainly became famous because she was a regular on the Montel Williams show, right. which was a talk show that ended. It probably ended like 10 years ago now, but it was super popular. And um, she would come on for segments where, among other things, she would talk to the parents of missing children and give them her psychic and mediumistic insights onto where they might be. So again, a psychic is somebody who can, um, 
you know, see the future or see things that aren't right in front of them. A medium is somebody who can speak to the dead. And she claims that she's able to do both of these or claimed that she's able to do do both these things. She passed away in 2013. Um, I would say that she is just as famous um, for being like a medium as she is for being a bad medium and an an inaccurate medium. Um, Obviously, she wasn't all inaccurate or else she wouldn't have been able to be so successful. She wrote over 40 books over the course of her career. She was a working medium for like 55 years or something like that. Like I said, lots of TV appearances, mostly on Montel. She didn't really love interviews, but she would do them every once in a while. Um, And her phone readings, like at the time of her death or, you know, whenever she retired or something, it was like 750 bucks for a half hour reading. Um, And that was, you know, if she died in 2013, then it would be much more now for the equivalent. So she was doing just fine monetarily and just success wise, basically. Um, One of her books was called past lives of the rich and famous. And she gave this quote to the wall street journal in 2012. Um, She said, quote, I don't think Jennifer Aniston's marriage will work after she gets married. Kim Kardashian will discover her acting abilities and she'll be like Liz Taylor, Lindsay Lohan. I don't mean to be hateful, but it's kind of a lost cause for now when she's about 30, she'll be fine. So, Two out of three ain't bad. Why? What's Kim the... Kardashian doesn't act, but Jennifer Aniston's marriage to Justin Theroux did indeed not work out. Mm. And Lindsay Lohan at 30, you know, better than she had been at the time that this interview was going on. I saw some headlines. She's going to be in, a th- in something. She is. She's going to be in a Netflix rom-com that sounds suspiciously like Overboard starring um, Goldie Hawn. But I oh. guess it isn't an Overboard remake. They already did that with Anna Ferris like a couple of years ago. Underboard. It's very weird. It's probably underboard. Um, so sometimes you get a hit. Yeah. Um, for something even more relevant that you may have seen get tossed around on social media over the last year, um, she seemed to have predicted the coronavirus pandemic. No. Did I say pandemic? I think Pandem- I did. I don't know. The hell's the matter with me today? Before We've got I- issues. It's hot in here. I. I- Are you over caffeinated from this thing what? that you're drinking? What? Why? Because you were stumbling over your words. You're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. You're drinking this like gigantic coffee. And we all got somebody's wrong order. And it's like basically ice cream coffee. I think you're over sugared and over caffeinated. Maybe it was, it was, for, it's for Nicole. Yeah. And it's like. <laughs> Venti vanilla cream cold brew with extra sweet cream, vanilla, super cold f- foam, funnel cake, funnel what? I don't know. It just funnel says funnel. Topping, yeah. Four pumps of added funnel syrup. One pump of white mocha. I think you're all hopped up on goofballs. <laughs> I'll never sleep again. Yeah, and it's six o'clock. Why are you still drinking? It's 645 as we record. What are you doing? It's delicious. Are you insane? Put that to the side. It's delicious. Yeah, I know, it sounds delicious, but... <laughs> you know what? I wonder why you've been <laughs> tripping over your words. You're right. I'll get rid of it. Yeah, okay. Down the hatch it goes for our listeners. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, (laughs) yes, she seemed to have predicted the coronavirus pandemic. In her book, End of Days Predictions and Prophecies about the End of the World, which came out in 2008, she said, quote, 
And around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived, attack again 10 years later, and then disappear completely. Now, obviously not dead on. Some people have pointed out that it sounds a little bit more like SARS than the coronavirus. The coronavirus certainly didn't disappear suddenly or whatever. Um, I will say, it's a decent hit to say that in 2020, an illness that is like bronchial and stuff will sweep the globe. Yes. But, you know, a broken clock is still right twice a day. I want to I make this observation, too. Okay. The former president used to always say, it'll be gone, it'll disappear in hot weather, it'll be gone by May yeah. of last year. Could she have had a prediction of him talking about it? So do you think she had like a vision of him doing that? She's like, okay, noted. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, honestly, right? if, if we're to believe that's all exactly this stuff, what he said. you're right. He did say it's just going to be gone. She predicted everything Maybe. that an idiot said. Maybe. <laughs> honestly, if if we're going with the real, you know, the realism of this, then that's not a bad bet as to what kind of prophecy she would have gotten that right? would lead her to write that. It's weird. She probably heard Dum Dum saying like, "It's just going to leave. No, it's going to be too hot for it." Yeah, because yeah. I would say otherwise. Of course, it's garbage. Yeah, but somebody did very famously on You're a global right. scale that talk about gonna... how it's going to disappear. That's true. I think you got something there. I think it's not impossible. Um, she has acknowledged her own swings and misses in the past, though. Um, she said in the same article from the Wall Street Journal, it's so sad. Anything that has to do with God, people want to dispel. A doctor can make a mistake and still be a doctor. But if a psychic is wrong, everybody's skeptical. And indeed, we are skeptical because this lady is made of hooey. And let me tell you some of the biggest hooey piles. (laughs) Her most famous inaccuracies. Who piles, by the way, is my favorite musician. <laughs> Have you heard the new Who Piles? <laughs> the new the new Hooey Piles <laughs> record. It stinks. <laughs> it sucks. You should quit. People hate the new Who Pile even more than the last one. <laughs> It's a headline on newspapers around the globe. It's always publicized. New, how- new Huey Pyle record. We hate it. It's every time he releases new music, it makes headlines about how we hate it even more than yeah. the last thing he did. He's famous for everyone always hating his work. Yep. Huey Piles. New Huey Piles. This one's even worse. <laughs> uh. Uh. Um, okay. So I'm really going to bring it down. Oh, God. Okay. I, I'm glad that we got our, our hooey piles in yeah. so we could raise our vibration like we were talking about last week. Our vibe is up. Yep. I'm about to bring that vibe right down, baby. Great. So hopefully because it was up so high, we'll still be like in the middle. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So this is the big one that she got really a ton of backlash about. Rightly so. In 2002, she went on Montel with the parents of an 11-year-old who had disappeared, whose name was Sean Hornbeck. And she told them that he had been kidnapped by a dark-skinned Hispanic man with dreadlocks and that now he was deceased. Then in reality, in 2007, Sean was found alive and well, living with his 
abductor whose name is Michael Devlin. And um, he was a white guy with short hair. So everything is wrong that she said. And it was a headline everywhere. Because first of all, he had been missing for five years. So like, holy crap, yeah. this kid's alive. Like everybody's yeah. so relieved. But also like, hey, remember when his parents went on that show and that psychic told him that he, like, that he, was, he was dead? dead? Like that's devastating. And it was also completely untrue. Um, so Sean's parents told journalists that one of their lowest points through the whole ordeal was when Sylvia Brown told them that their child was dead. Um, his father, Craig, told CNN that hearing that was one of the hardest things that they ever had to hear. That wasn't the only time that she did that. And I, I also, it's, it's horrible. It's it, terrible. I tried to find and I, I understand why. Um, I was curious about whether. Sean Hornbeck ever commented on that? It yeah. looks like he never did, which is fine. It's not a criticism. It looks like he never did some sort of like sit down interview after being um, yeah. like rescued and everything. So I don't know what his thoughts are yeah. on that. I just want his privacy. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, but it's horrible. It's horrible. It's disgusting. It, and it's consistent with her. She's it's, consistent. It's predatory. It's so right? predatory. Like, and it's horrible. The the idea of telling people, don't bother keeping hope alive. Yeah, yeah. For what? You know? Terrible. I, you know, I didn't go, I, I didn't copy them all down. You can go to, um, there, there are links in the show notes that have kind of like, not exhaustive lists, but like lists of things that she told yeah. people that were later inaccurate. And, like, she really put people through the ringer. Like, she told somebody that their daughter who was missing – I didn't I didn't write these down to include them because, like, this is such a bummer. And, like, we're – I don't really want to talk about, like, all the true crime of it. That's yeah. really sad. We're kind of just talking about the fraudiness of it. Yes. But anyway, just an another example of, like, how this really would mess with – um, a person who's like with them in person's lives is that she told a woman that her daughter who was missing was in LA working as an exotic dancer. And so that woman like flew out to LA right away right. and started like going from strip club to strip club, like with her daughter's picture asking if anybody had seen her. And then sometime later they found her daughter's body oh. and they were able to determine that she had died the night she'd, gone missing and like this woman spent all this money and time and hope because sylvia brown like pulled something out of her ass i think she just pulls yeah. things out of her ass she was well here's here's the crazy thing is like i i also put a lot of blame for these things on like the the showrunner on, yes. like montel has yes. to shoulder some of this for she's a great spectacle right mm -hmm. like you you bring anthony zipper on the howard stern show with some outlandish story because you know people are going to talk about it. It's been it's been 21 years and I'm talking about it here. You know but what I mean? Like that's a victimless crime. Correct. It's just correct. stupid. It's just stupid. Yeah. But like this is not a victimless crime despite how entertaining it is. Yeah. Like I I don't I don't care about the entertainment value in something if it's exploitative and hurting people, uh, uh crushing somebody's hope or giving somebody false hope so much so that they then risk their own livelihood mm -hmm. to try to follow out the garbage that you told them. Yeah. Like it's 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 it's, it's like unconscionable. Unconscionable. It's like anti-human. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really horrible. Horrible. Yeah, and like so Montel a uh, but apologized to um, now I'm getting mixed up. I can't remember if he apologized publicly to Sean Hornbeck's family or this next person who I'm going to talk about, who I'd say is her second most infamous, like, 
you were totally full of it thing. Um, but he also like people have asked him about having Sylvia Brown and he's like, she's so much fun. She's a character. Exactly. And it's like, it's not fun for it's the people. I think that there, I don't it's think not fun. every, it's not funny. It's not fun or funny. Um, no, it's not, but I don't think that every single time she came on was with parents of missing children. I think that sometimes she did come on and it was just like zany, whatever, right. like audience questions. So I guess that's what he re- he's referring to, but it's still not. Then don't bring one time yeah. is too much of that. One time is too much. Don't yeah. bring people going through actual heartache yeah. to talk to the person who's so much fun, Sylvia Brown, who by mm-hmm. the way, didn't seem like a ball of laughs. Definitely not. She seems like an a-hole. Yes. So I I I I fault him. It's, yeah, of course. It's it's horrible. It totally is. Um, and so it'll just be one more like bummer story, but it's a big part of who Sylvia Brown is. Yeah. Same kind of scenario. It was two years later, and um she told the mother of kidnapping victim Amanda Berry that um she's not she said she's not alive honey and that barry was in water and that she had a vision of barry's jacket in the garbage with dna on it oh this is so horrible i'm gonna bring it back up ish in a second barry's mother died two years later believing that her daughter had been killed because sylvia brown told her this and then amanda barry was found alive in may 2013 she was one of those three girls who was abducted by um Ariel Castro oh, in, kept in the house. Cleveland, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Right. She was kept in the house. And so, again, I wanted to see if she said anything about the Sylvia Brown stuff. Because I remember that she uh, that she did do some interviews and stuff like that after it. Because it was so unbelievable. I, rem- I just remember it. And um, she said that she saw that episode while she was in captivity. She saw her mom on the show she saw sylvia brown telling her that and it was like devastating and so actually i wrote down montel issued an apology to her Um, it's so it's so the the life or death stakes of this stuff like it psychics are are you know if you take personal comfort in speaking to a psychic or going to a psychic you know good 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 for you i understand that people get something out of that Mm -hmm. i think psychics as a form of entertainment are if they're commenting particularly on life or death stakes are horrible. They, they have life or death stakes to the things that they say and tell people. It seems so again, if we're just assuming or if we're thought experimenting that psychics are real, it seems unethical to even comment on stuff like that. I think they probably just should not at all, even if it is or whatever real, um, they should just not touch that. Uh, it's, I think it's horrible. Um, so there is a magazine called The Skeptical Inquirer, which is run by CSI, which is something that we talked about before. It's the Center for Skeptical Inquiry. Right. And they did a three-year study on Sylvia Brown's accuracy. She claimed that she had an 85% accuracy rate, which I know really sticks in your craw um, when we went to see a psychic together in the episode Mystic Chrissy a handful of episodes ago. <laughs> companion piece to mystic willie um the psychic who you spoke to said she had a 95 percent accuracy rate i believe yeah and you were really hung up on like how do you know that how do you know i don't know how are you running well, your stats you you i don't know it, show your work then yeah show your work if you're gonna tell me that you're 95 percent accurate uh-huh. i should be able to see the receipts yes yes i think that's probably true so they decided to Take all the time she's been on TV talking about cases that she um, worked as a psychic detective on, cross-reference those with information from the cases 
excuse me, information on the cases from newspapers that came out later and see what her accuracy was on these. They found, so there were 115 cases that she has mentioned publicly and commented on and given her thoughts on or whatever. And there were 25 when they got down to it that had known outcomes. So they could say, yes, she's right or wrong. She was wrong in all 25 of them. (laughs) And then in all of the other cases that are still unsolved, so you can't really check the accuracy, um, her predictions still couldn't be proven or disproven. Still not good. So I did the math. It took me a minute to remember how you do that thing to figure out percentages or whatever, two numbers on top of each other across multiplying everything what do you mean fractions yes (laughs) two numbers on top of each other (laughs) um i did the math and if we are being very generous and saying that actually she's right on all of these 90 other cases maybe she was wrong on the 25 but she's right on the 90 she is still only at a 78 percent success rate okay that's not 85 sylvia it's not 85 i don't know where you got that from and yeah, they aren't just members, they're people's, I mean, numbers, they're people's lives. Yeah. She sucks. So what is this person's deal? Yeah. Like, why is she, was she like, why like this? this? Why do you like this? I couldn't find that exactly, but I will say that she seems like she was plain not nice. Yeah. So there was a website that was run just by a hobbyist dude who was used to seeing her on TV and was like, I don't like this, called StopSylvia.com. And her first husband, Gary Dufresne... Granted them an interview. Dufresne. Dufresne. Yes. Dufresne. Probably. It's a French thing. I'm guessing. It's French, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like Andy Dufresne. Probably doesn't shave his pits. It's <laughs> <laughs> that line in that line in Home Alone where they go, French chicks don't shave their pits. Andy Dufresne. <laughs> Whatever. Well, Andy Dufresne is the guy from the Shawshank Redemption. This is Gary Dufresne. Well, I, can bet Aunt, I can bet Gary doesn't ship me either. <laughs> I bet you're probably right. You know, who knows? Maybe he likes the feel. <laughs> yeah. Um, the touch, the feel. <laughs> of Gary. Of Gary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, he he granted StopSylvia.com an interview after the, sh- the Sean Hornbeck thing because he was so disgusted. She was married three times. I think he was her first husband. And so it was a while ago. I believe they were married in like the late 1950s. And the Sean Hornbeck thing happened in the early 2000s. So he hadn't been with her for a very, very long yeah, time. Yeah. He said, I try to get her out of my mind as much as possible. But the damage she does to unsuspecting people in crisis situations is just atrocious. And he offered up this anecdote to kind of show how her mind works a little bit. Um, He was talking about a party that they had where she was reading people's tarot cards, like in the 60s or 70s. And as they were cleaning up, he says, quote, I said to her as we were washing dishes and she was wiping, I said, Sylvia, how can you tell people this kind of stuff? You know, it's not true. And some of these people actually are probably going to believe it. And she said, screw them. Anybody who believes this stuff ought to be taken. See, con artist. Mm -hmm. Like that. It's it's. She can do it, and right. she was entertaining at doing it. So mm-hmm. she was able to keep the party going. Yes. Um, but uh, that also just tells you everything you need to know about she didn't mm-hmm. she didn't care about the outcome of saying these things to people. She cared yeah. about saying seeing it on saying it on television, getting paid for it, yeah, and making sure that other people would keep asking her questions. It was irrelevant to her the well being mm-hmm. of these people when she told them that their child was alive. Yeah. Go fly out and find him or dead give up all hope yeah i uh she didn't 
care. That, no. That's, that's sociopathic. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Yeah, it's really, really horrible. And so now I want to finish up with I, I had no awareness of Sylvia Brown just as a thing, but I want to finish up with this piece of writing that like really made me interested in her and like what the hell is this lady's deal? And it's by John Ronson. So he is an investigative journalist and he wrote this article in 2007 for The Guardian, but it's in his book that's a compilation of essays that he's written called Lost at Sea. Um and so I, th- I think that the title Lost at Sea is in reference to this yeah. article, actually. So this was written in 2007. I am thinking, so Sylvia Brown died at 77 in 2013. So he or she might have been like 72 when they went on this cruise, assuming that it was written the same year that right. he took the cruise. So anyway... She, John Ronson, like came across Sylvia Brown in this whole thing um, after the Sean Hornbeck fiasco. But she stopped doing interviews after that because she was just getting crap from people. But he really wanted to talk to her. He was like fascinated by her and like, what is this woman's deal? So he was researching her online and he saw that there was a cruise going on where she was the main event. It was a cruise where every night there'd be a lecture. I guess you call that a lecture with Sylvia Brown, where she takes questions from the audience and you can maybe get a psychic reading with her. And so he figured if we're going to be trapped on a boat together, maybe at some point I can corner her and at least get like a couple of words. Um, So the way it works is that there were multiple opportunities for readings. It was like an every night thing. And she would be on stage and pull a name from a hat, um, shout out that name to the audience. And then we get to ask her one question. There were hundreds of people there. So apparently the bad publicity from the Sean Hornbeck thing didn't hurt her career like that badly no such thing as bad publicity right and also like maybe it was like normies were like oh yeah she's bs but people who are like deep believers of hers who've read parts of her you know 40 book catalog were like yeah i mean you have to give her a break not everybody's right on every single thing the doctor thing you know if a doctor screws something up Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a mistake. But if a psychic screws it up, then everybody's a skeptic. That quote of hers, like, mm-hmm. that's a great soundbite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people could take that up. and run with it. Yeah, you are you are a predator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you're not. It's just not a mistake. Yeah. Um. So he notes that during these lecturing sessions, she wouldn't pause as if she was like pulling an answer from the spirit realm and being like, hmm. <laughs> she was like answering like really fast, like off the cuff, and it was just like kind of unusual it's not the way you usually and again who knows what psychics if any are being genuine or whatever but it's still just not the way you're used to seeing psychics work it just seemed like she was saying the first thing that came to mind yeah it's not the showmanship he's sort of like yeah i'm sensing it i'm getting an answer from somebody you could ask her like you'd be like yeah what is my grandfather's favorite food to be fudge Yes, it sounds like like it was like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, So there was time to socialize as well when they're on the cruise, obviously. And so John asked a woman who had a question answered whether Sylvia had helped her during that session is a woman who asked why her husband had killed himself. And Sylvia said he was bipolar. And the woman said, no, it didn't really help like he had physical pain. He wasn't bipolar. um, But I just didn't want to say anything and like make it weird. So Ronson posits that Sylvia might be getting by a lot of times just on the politeness of her audience, like not wanting to cause a thing and being like, no, especially because she's so rapid fire and like, I'm going here, I'm going there. There isn't even really time for you to be like, huh? Before she's like pulling another name out of a hat. That's a very interesting point, too, because 
if she was so comfortable with not caring about people or social niceties or showmanship, Mm -hmm. her blurting out an answer puts you in a position of going, no, or then you are being sort of transgressive. Mm -hmm. You're holding it up. Like there are other people that we need to get to here. Either holding it up or being disagreeable in public. So she can be confident Mm -hmm. that you're you're just going to go, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, okay, just to move it along. That's a very interesting point. Totally. And so I think it probably ends up feeding itself because if people are at these things, they're getting their question answered, they're being polite and being like, Yes, thank you. Like other people see that. They're like, oh, good. She helped that person. I want that and pursue yeah. contact with Sylvia. And it goes around and around. That person who is like, wow, they got something that helped them. I want that. Ask the question. They don't get a good answer, but they still go, okay, thanks. Yep. And it just keeps happening, basically. But the goodwill towards Sylvia starts to erode on the cruise after a couple of days they start telling john that they're kind of turning on her um not everybody obviously but some people he's talking to they're not loving her like cold quick answers like this like she's just especially the first night she's giving these like really negative answers like one woman asks about her fractured relationship with her daughter and sylvia's like stay away from her she's not trustworthy i don't like her um people are not into this and also a group of people saw sylvia on the casino floor of the cruise and they were excited like oh sylvia and they said (laughs) i wish i had written the quote but they said her face contorted and she was like get me out of here to her like handler who was pushing her wheelchair and like booked it away from them and they were very hurt and insulted by that understandably so Ronson finds her like agent or publicist or something that's on the cruise and says like, hey, I'm here. I'm actually a journalist. I would love to be able to talk to Sylvia. And he said he was fully expecting her to say like, no. And she was like, let me see what I can do. And he gets an interview with her. Um, And she does nothing to help her case whatsoever. He tells her the thing. He doesn't start off with this. I'm sure you like Easter. But he tells her the thing about like people saying that they i am sure he sugarcoated it, but like they saw her on the casino floor and that she didn't want to be talked to or whatever and she was like no people can come to me anytime like i'm happy to talk to everybody and was like kind of defensive and pissy about it um and at one point he asks her he's leading into asking her about like sean hornbeck and um amanda berry and he says and this is a quote there are times when you've got it wrong in a very bad way with missing the kid interrupts sylvia she means sean hornbeck Yeah, I believed the kid was dead. She shrugs. What I found out later, Larry King wanted me to come on and explain, but I said I'm not going to explain anything, is there were three children missing. I think what I did was I got my wires crossed. There was a blonde and two boys who were dead. I think I picked the wrong kid. Sean Hornbeck, I say. Were the other kids missing from the same area? Absolutely, Sylvia says. At the same time? Yes, Sylvia asks. I have a tiny newspaper cutting about them back in my office. And he says, like... You know, it's it was an unsatisfying answer in general, but also vague enough that I can't fact check it. Right. There were kids who were kidnapped at the same time. I don't know where. Or no, I guess she said same area. Um, but basically it's like that's so vague I can't yeah. look into it. Um, so the day after that interview that he has with Sylvia, it's only like a half hour long, he feels he's gotten enough material. He's done with the cruise. He's, like, not feeling it. So he leaves the cruise two days early. He, like, gets off in Greece or whatever to, like, fly back to London. 
And he had gotten friendly with some of the people who were on the cruise and they had exchanged email addresses and stuff. So the next day when he got home, he had an email from one of his friends of the cruise saying that that night when she had her lecture that she was going off about him and that she told the audience that she hears some of them aren't very happy with her and that this journalist who was a pale little worm with dark energy told her that. That's awesome. I was just like bad mouthing him and stuff. What a joy. I know. So she seems like a real peach. What a treat. Yeah. (laughs) Glad I came on this cruise. Yeah. I can see why you left two days early. Dump all over my life and complain to me. I know. Amazing. And so that's the story of Good Sylvia God. Brown. Good God. Well, mm-hmm. no, she's, she's, she's dead. So yeah. Yeah. She's she, not going to. She can't, you know, hurt more anybody parents. anymore. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Seriously. Um, I have. Can I just roll through a few? I've got micro things. Yeah. That I thought might be fun. One of them um, I want to talk about real quick. I want to talk about Miss Cleo. Oh, Miss Cleo, I think, was one of the most famous yes. for a time uh, faces of the psychic mm-hmm. realm. Call me. Yeah. Miss Cleo. So I looked into it a little bit. Miss Cleo um, was uh, publicized as the sort of mascot, in a way, mm-hmm. of the Psychic Network. <laughs> what is this called? Psychic Readers Network uh-huh. from 1997 to 2003. Uh, and so this this was inescapable. If you were watching TV, you would see an ad for Miss Cleo. Totally. It was a joke. The idea that you could call Miss Cleo, Miss Cleo is going to solve your problems. People would just talk about Miss Cleo. Oh, yeah. So, Miss Cleo was huge. Huge. In 2002, I was curious because I knew something happened. I didn't know what. In 2002, the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, charged the Psychic Readers Network... <laughs> With deceptive advertising, billing, and collection practices, she was not indicted. Uh-huh. Um, the network had billed its victims for an estimated $1 billion. Oh my God. With a B. $1 billion. Turns out that the network coined the title Miss Cleo and would send unsolicited emails to people, some of which stated, Miss Cleo has been authorized to issue a special tarot reading. It is vital that you call immediately. So they would target people. Mm-hmm. Um, charges, charges of deceptive advertising and of fraud on the part of the network began to surface around this time. Among the complaints were allegations that calls to Miss Cleo were being answered by her quote-unquote associates who were actors reading from scripts. And that calls promoted as free were, in fact, being charged for. Yeah. Uh, Miss Cleo is a character. Yeah. Played by an actress named Yuri Del Harris. And uh, she grew up in L.A. Miss Cleo was supposed to be, like, from Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, this character, the whole thing fell apart. Yeah. But Miss Cleo was so popular. And Yuri Del Harris was so known, she became an actress. She did a voice in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Oh, you know what? Weirdly, I read this Wikipedia like not super long ago because I was oh, really? trying to remember Miss Cleo's deal. Yeah. I was trying to, I had in my head that she used to do Miss Cleo at like Second City. Right. Like the improv place. I was trying to remember if that was true. And so I looked this up. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. So she played Auntie Paulette uh-huh. in Vice City. And so she was sort of, uh, the, the implication is that she's somehow drugging the main character to get him to do her bidding. Yeah. Weird stuff. But so Miss Cleo is so famous. I've, I've got this. This is something that she she did. As Miss Cleo, Harris appeared in a 2015 series of advertisements for the General Mills breakfast cereal, French Toast Crunch. I don't remember this at all. Here's why. The Psychic Readers Network intervened on the basis okay. that they owned the character of Miss Cleo. 
the advertisements were discontinued. Okay. So Miss Cleo was never real. Yeah. She was a character. She was a mascot. Mm -hmm. And she was the face of a company that was defrauding people <laughs> for over a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's Miss Cleo, the famous psychic. I've got a recent story. I looked up, I did like the Google News search. Mm -hmm. Here's a recent story of a psychic that was caught. Headline from The Guardian is, she didn't see it coming. Psychic arrested for $800,000 of fraud. Ooh. Every headline you'll ever see about psychics being caught for stuff is like, but they didn't see that yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, of course. This psychic didn't see it coming. <laughs> like all the headlines have the same clever Naturally. joke. Right. So uh, here's what happened. Psychic Zoe, real name oh. Ann Thompson, oh. was arrested for defrauding uh, a bunch of people. Well, <laughs> well, here's I should rephrase that. She was arrested for defrauding people. Okay. One of whom she got for seventy two thousand dollars. That's insane, That's right? But like I said, she defrauded $800,000 total. Yeah. Just one person she got for 72000 So there were probably a million other people to add up to the 800000 uh -huh. overall. No. Her other victim, she defrauded for $740,000. That's horrible. Two victims adding up to $800,000. My God. Uh, here's a quote. She's efficient. It really was. Here's a quote from The Guardian. She convinced um, one of her victims... That she'd never find love again unless she bought the psychic a 9.2 carat diamond ring. She also convinced the victim to spend large sums of money on spells that would vanquish demons, as well as on building a, quote, golden pyramid that would protect her and her loved ones from dying. Needless to say, the golden pyramid was entirely fictitious. She was caught in part by a former police officer turned private investigator turned, quote, psychic hunter nice named bob nygaard i think that's the guy who started stop sylvia.com is that right look it back up he is a self-professed psychic hunter i think it is him hang on oh, so, go ahead okay so he has said that he has helped capture over 30 psychics and recovered over four million dollars for people um, he was, he's been on TV and stuff for this. He was on a show on CBS called Pink Collar Crimes. Uh, title of the episode was <laughs> The Psychic Didn't See Him Coming. Oh. Another oh, word. I watched Pink Collar Crimes. Maybe that's why you know the name. So. Um, yeah, it's not. It's Robert yeah. Lancaster who started okay. StopSylvia.com. So this guy, Bob Nygaard, is yeah. famous for going after psychics. And mm -hmm. he's, it's basically like a niche business because nobody's ever really looking out for the victims yeah. of people who go to psychics. Mm -hmm. Um, now, he's part of a long history of famous debunkers. I've got a very fun uh, little blurb about Harry Houdini mm -hmm. to wrap, I think, everything up. Uh, I almost got into James Randi. I think it's he's his own thing. thing. The very famous, the great James We've Randi. talked about him a lot. We have. Yeah. Harry Houdini was going after psychics. Yeah. He didn't believe any of it. Here's from his uh, Wikipedia. This is just a very fun little story, and then we'll mm -hmm. get out of here. Houdini chronicled his debunking exploits in his book, A Magician Among the Spirits. Uh, these activities compromised Houdini's friendship with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who yeah. we talked about last week for believing in Frannick Klusky's butt molds. Yep. Uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of uh, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes, yep. uh, was a firm believer in spiritualism during his later years and refused to believe any of Houdini's expo exposés. Doyle came to believe that Houdini was a powerful spiritualist medium. 
and had performed many of his stunts by means of paranormal abilities and was using these abilities to block those of other mediums that he was debunking. Wow. So Sir Arthur Conan Doyle so believed in spiritualism and mediumship that Houdini, who was saying this is all fake, and I'm debunking all these people and pointing out how they're liars. Yeah. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle started to reverse engineer that to go, no, 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 no. Mm, You're powerful. Yeah, right. You're a wizard, and you are interfering with the abilities of the other wizards. He has a very creative mind. It's so deep. He made it such a deep rabbit hole. This This disagreement led to the two men becoming public antagonists, and Sir Arthur came to view Houdini as a dangerous enemy. Ooh. That sound like- His Moriarty. Yeah. <sighs> See, I was thinking like Grindelwald. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Voldemort, right? Like, yeah. He's my most Dang- dangerous enemy. My most enemy. dangerous enemy. My most dangerous foe. <laughs> <laughs> the name? Doyle. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> Harry Houdini? Ah, you mean my most dangerous foe. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so. so- theatrical to have what a time who's your most dangerous foe you know do you i don't have a most dangerous foe no no i got nothing i got nothing i don't know anyway everybody those are some people that uh claimed one thing and then everybody Mm went no Mm, i don't think so i don't think so i feel no yeah check the check the show links for for sources for all these things they're really interesting to to learn about and talk about Mm -hmm. even if i find many of them to be distasteful yeah i think it's worth seeing what people do there's value in it especially because maybe you won't fall into the same pit afterward absolutely yeah um but yeah Yeah, well, thank you guys so much. Hope you enjoyed the show. As I said before, go to gttupod.com to find everything we got. We got merch, we got Patreon, we got show links, advertising options, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And make sure you follow us online. I'm at The Myth Traveler. Yep, make sure you're following Will because he's doing a really cool series showing a lot of his horror memorabilia. Yeah. And I am at Chillin' Kristen. Yeah, so we will be back next time to tell more frightening stories that are going to chill you to your core. Yeah, you're scared. You're scared right now? You okay? (laughs) But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Back to sit in front of a fan, go I. Yeah, it's hot. hot. Didn't we have a fan down here before? Also, my heart is racing. William, you've been jiggling your leg like the whole time and you don't usually do that. I feel like you are... (laughs) Jiggling and wiggling. Yeah. Might be over-caffeinated. Yeah, you might be. And (laughs) over-sugared. You're probably dehydrated. You're all screwed up. I can see everything. (laughs) (laughs) 